0: Black Virginia News is sponsored by Virginia Nation Tees. Visit Virginia Nation Tees at etsy.com.
1: Mark, you have a civil rights office at your disposal, and I've asked you, where is the investigation into Virginia Beach's situation, and where is the investigation into Spotsylvania? That silence is deafening.
2: This is Lauren Burke. This is episode 18 of the Black Virginia News podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking to the future of the party, the Democratic Party in Virginia. We're going to be talking to former Delegate Jay Jones, who led a very exciting race for Attorney General in 2021.
1: Frankly, the people of Virginia don't want to stand for anything less than full-throated accountability and transparency in all situations. We cannot pick and choose when we play uh, politics with people's justice. We won't do that. And as Attorney General, you've got my promise that I will be there with my sleeves rolled up no matter what the situation is, when it's tough or when it's simple. That's, about what the, that's what this race is about. It's about standing up when things are challenging and not shirking from those situations where you might uh, take a politically unpopular stand. You know, frankly, here in Virginia, we've got an opportunity to look ahead, to create a value system and a justice system that works for everybody. And I look forward to helping create that. We just put out a plan this week that's a comprehensive, forward-looking justice reform p- proposal that rises to meet this moment. We cannot afford someone who sits in that chair to sit back and wait to see which way the political winds blow that's not the attorney general that i will be i will be there fighting each and every day this is the podcast
0: for black you're listening to the podcast for black virginia news the first and only platform that covers all of black virginia
2: That last audio was Jay Jones in May of 2021 as he ran for Attorney General of Virginia. In a very impressive performance against sitting Attorney General Mark Herring. Uh, this interview is going to cover uh, us talking with Jay Jones about what he's doing now with Meet Our Moment, uh, his family history, which is extraordinary, and of course, the great Maurice Hawkins is joining this interview. This interview was recorded on August 16, 2023. So, talk about Meet Our Moment.
1: Well,
3: I'm happy to talk about Meet Our Moment. I love that program so much, but I just want to say thank you for having me. It's a joy to be able to chat with you guys for a little bit about about this stuff because it's really, really important to me, and it just makes me so happy. Um, meet Our Moment, for those of you guys who don't know, is a candidate training program for um, minority and female candidates that uh, I started back in the summer of 2021. I can't believe it's been. Um, two years since we, we started this. But as I was going around uh, during the you know campaign for attorney general, I got to meet a lot of people. I got to go to a lot of different places in Virginia. And I saw that there was so much talent uh, out there uh, for people to get up uh, and get in the game, and get off the sidelines and run for state and local office. Because I think that's the, the most critical levels of government that we've got because you're the closest to the people and you really do have a ton of impact. Um, But so many people would say, I would run, but I don't know what to do. Um, I don't have the wherewithal. I don't don't know how to start a campaign. I don't know how to hire staff. I don't know how to raise money. And I just figured that there was this void, right? You have candidate training programs out there, all of which do wonderful things. But this one has a particular sort of bent toward um, female and minority candidates, which I think really is the future for uh, especially the Democratic Party here in Virginia. And so we started this, I don't want to say on a whim, but certainly you know, with really great, really great intentions, and, you know, we've had four sessions. We do one, you know, sort of every six months or so. We did our first one in December of 2021 in Richmond. We did our second one in Charlottesville in April of 2022, our third one in Prince William in December of 2022, and then our most recent session was in Norfolk in March of 2023. Uh, We've had 50 participants across the four sessions. Um, Several of them um, have won election. Sonia Vasquez Luna was our first Um, Victory, she is now a member of the Manassas City Council. Um, Ray Cousins, who is the nominee uh, for a house delegate seat in Richmond, is an alum. Kimberly Pope-Adams, who is the nominee uh, for a a district center in Petersburg and Dinwiddie, is a nominee. Um, We've got plenty of other folks uh, who have come through who are also on the ballot uh, at the local level in Loudoun, Pujacana, running for the Board of Supervisors. So um, the program works uh, and and I'm really, really um, proud of it, uh, especially because um, It's free to participants. I think for so many people, money has been an obstacle, and I never wanted this to be something that um, people couldn't attend because of cash. And so we keep it free. I raise money for this program, it goes right back into it so that folks can come. Um, and if you're coming from a certain distance away, we'll put you up in a hotel, Uh, so that you don't have to worry about, you know, racing over to get there. Um, We do headshots for the the trainees for free. We provide them food during the day. And um, it's really just a whole soup to nuts candidate training program, you know, 101. Uh, It's just one Saturday. It's not a program that takes weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, I don't think that this stuff is particularly complex. It's not rocket science, but, you know, it's broken down. We do a campaign overview, we do fundraising, we do mail, we do um, communications, we do field. Uh, and then at the end of the day, we do a panel um, with current or former um, elected officials, people of color and women uh, to give their perspective. It's a very open and and um, sort of uh, honest space for, for the trainees to ask the real questions about what it's like to be a candidate, what it's like to be in public office, uh, because I want everybody to have the full scope of what it's like before they get into it because what I don't want is for really great people to get into it and say oh my gosh my job isn't okay with this or my family's not okay with this or I don't know if I can raise the money so we want to have people getting into this eyes wide open armed with all of that knowledge so that they can run and win and, and we have people who are winning and who are going to be members of the General Assembly come 2024, who are going to be constitutional officers, who are going to be members of the boards of supervisors and city councils across the state and the school boards as well. And that is part of building this bench of people for, uh, you know, the medium and the long term, because you can't just think about the short term, that's obviously really important, but having people to step up and fill voids when those those vacancies open um, is really, really important too.
2: The session in Norfolk was excellent, really great. And it was great that you did have the candidate panel at the end. I noticed that uh, at Network Nova, they had a candidate's room. And man, it got real in there. <laughs> <I> mean, those <laughs> candidates, <laughs> they were sharing stories. And those stories were quite interesting. So I, I just think it's fantastic that you're doing Meet Our Moment. I think uh, the only thing I could think of that I've been at that was like that was, was uh, I think there was the collective pack had Black Candidate School. And I went to that and that was cool. But but Virginia really needed that. It's a great idea. When is the next one? Do you know? So,
3: yeah, we're going to look at doing the next one after the elections in November. We did our last session in March. We wanted to do it early enough that um, folks who were running in primary could get what they needed out of it if they were going to be on the ballot. Um, And we don't want to be a distraction between um, then and November, which is obviously really important because the goal is to win, uh, to take back the majority in the House of Delegates to hold the whole majority in the Senate, uh, and then you know continue to springboard in the twenty-four and twenty-five. But another point that I wanted to make that I'm super proud of as it, as it relates to this program is that um, we talk about living our values and practicing what we preach. And the people who come in and, and and sort of teach these sessions, because I sort of try to you know change it up each each time. We don't want to have the same program, um, but it's the same general topics. The people who come in and and present uh, are all. Um, people of color or women themselves, and if they are not, they are uh, someone who has been a principal on a campaign for a person of color or uh, a female candidate. So they know what it's like, because it's different. I I cannot sit here and tell you that um, the experience as a, a candidate of color is the same as um, that of a, a white candidate, I think even those folks would be very honest and say, hey, look, uh, it is a different story, but we want to give people the best perspective. We want to give them the best information. And so um, not only is it free and the people who are presenting have that depth of knowledge, but um, you're getting you know, access to people who believe in a mission um, of building up and, and lifting up, right? That for so long, uh, there has been this idea that there can only be one and I just reject that notion completely. You can have an all-black statewide ticket. You can have um, more more candidates of color in a caucus than not, right? I think the Democratic caucus is getting there, which is incredibly great. And so I think you know our strength is in our diversity. I know that sounds very um, very banal, but. I truly believe that. And as I went around in 20 and 21, I saw that and I believe it and I feel it. And, you know, I'm just happy to play a small part because I, you know, give them a little bit of knowledge and information. It's on the candidate to go execute. But the fact that we've had people win like Sonia, like Ray, uh, like Kimberly Pope Adams in in that, in that primary. That's really exciting to me. And that we've got, I think, five or six other candidates who didn't have primaries who were the nominees for their um, particular races, I think speaks volumes to not only their qualifications and how prepared they are but that virginia is ready for these different faces that um traditionally haven't been at the table and i think that the more of us that are at the table uh the better and so you know that i can play a small part in that you know brings me a lot of joy and a lot of happiness
0: subscribe to black Virginia news at black
2: it rocks it totally rocks um is there anything like, uh, you know, I've I've worked uh, on the federal level and the state level in New York uh, and Virginia and New York, of course, has a full time legislature. Uh, but, you know, I've heard members of Congress making one hundred and seventy four thousand a year <laughs> talking about how difficult that is. And when I, you know, started paying more attention to Virginia, I look up and realize, wow, this is a part time legislature, which, of course, it isn't. It's actually a full time legislature that pays part time. (laughs) So everyone is working their ass off. And I just wonder, you know, from you, what have you you know, what would you say to, to people who are running when it comes to the challenges of being a member of the House of Delegates? I frankly think it's it's really unnecessarily difficult in large part because of the cost of living issue, uh, particularly for the time that we live in now and some of the jurisdictions that these members come from. And I am thinking of Arlington when I say that, but not just Arlington. What would you say about that, Jay?
3: Well, you know, look, I certainly love to see folks in the hospital gets get paid more. It is a full-time part-time job. It's hard, you know, to, to give it everything that you've got, which is what your constituents deserve when you're um, making money that's below the poverty line. Now, it is that that way because that place is built for a certain type of person or a certain type of people um if you're wealthy if you're retired right you can give it all you all all the time in the world if you're a younger person or you're a person who's a working working parent you know it might be a little bit more difficult and to that end right i tell candidates who come and ask, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. What would you what would you tell me said, so you got to ask yourself a series of questions and if you can get to yes on all those questions then yeah, you should go for it. But the first one, right, is is your family OK with this because it's going to take up a lot of your time and you're not going to be as present as you might have been previously. And if they can get to yes, great. You need to make sure that your job is OK with it. There are plenty of people who can't run for office because their jobs simply won't let them do it. They don't want um, a person who's taking partisan positions or who's in uh, the news all the time, right? If you're on city council, you're always always in the spotlight um, to draw that attention to their particular business. So you gotta make sure that your employer is okay with it. right? Can you raise the money, right? Money is important in politics until it's not. Uh, until the campaign finance scheme is changed here in Virginia, you've got to raise a lot of money. And that doesn't matter w- whether you're running for school board or governor, you've got to raise a ton um, to be considered viable. So if you can raise money, great. Um, and then, you know, is, can you win? I think is an important calculation for a lot of people. I certainly subscribe to the idea that you know whether or not you can win shouldn't be a big deal, but for a lot of people it is. And so if you can get to yes on on those questions, um, then I think your answer is, speaks for itself. But if you have some challenges with those, um, then you really got to stop and think about it. And it's unfortunate that some of those hurdles um, have prevented great people from serving in public office. And and certainly, we need I think we need to think about how much we're paying our public officials and um what the require the requirements are from a time perspective. if you're going to require people to be in Richmond all the time, not just during session, but for commission hearings and committee meetings and and all that other stuff. You know it's certainly difficult. Uh, and so I think that you know every candidate should go into this eyes wide open. That's why we talk about this and meet our moment, and we try we make it free so that people can 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 attend and can hear it um from the horses' mouths, if you will. Uh, because those are real considerations that should uh, come across people's minds when they are making the choice about whether or not to jump into public office. But you know, certainly, I think uh, if you raise the pay, you're going to get better people who are interested in in serving. Because there are so many people who who you know might make a lot of money and say, I don't want to take a pay cut <laughs> because that's going to hurt my exactly. my lifestyle and the cost of living that I have and all that. I mean, it's difficult. I'm I again. Plenty of members are doing just fine, but there are certainly folks who I think would be tremendous um, assets to to our public discourse, but they make that conscious choice because there's no real incentive.
0: Subscribe to Black Virginia News at blackvirginianews.substack.com. Follow Black Virginia News on Facebook at facebook.com/backslash Black Virginia News and on TikTok and Threads at Black Virginia News. Maurice Hawkins is a Democratic political strategist and a veteran of numerous campaigns. He is based in Virginia Beach.
4: Jay, you know, you've, you've had uh, several sessions of Vita Moment, and you've had several um, attendees who run for office, win office, um, are in viable campaigns where they, you know, potentially win in the general election in the upcoming uh, fall. Are you surprised by the immediate impact and success of your program? And where do you see a program going in the immediate future?
3: That's a great question. Am I surprised? Uh, yes and no. You know, I'll be honest, this idea came to me in the middle of the night in the summer of 2021 when I couldn't sleep after the primary because I didn't know what to do with myself. <laughs> because when you go from running a A statewide campaign where you're doing it's all you're doing for every day for two years, and then you know it's over. You do have a little bit of sort of um, that that sort of feeling of aimlessness, uh, and you're sort of wandering. And I just realized that this was something that needed to to exist. And so you know I socialized the idea with people that I trust, and they told me that I wasn't crazy. said you're gonna have to work really hard to get this thing off the ground and and really truly and honestly i did and and i'm so grateful to a whole bunch of people who um gave me feedback on the idea and and helped me sort of refine it because you know we wanted to do a particular thing and do it well uh, and that's to train these folks to be able to run and to win And, and i'm so proud of the fact that not only are our alums getting in the game, right, we had 50 people come through, over 25 have become candidates, right, previous uh, to 2023 and then, you know, in 2023 and beyond, um, you know, they're running and they're winning. And so am I proud of the success? Absolutely. Did I expect it? Um, You know, I I hold myself to a high standard. I certainly hope the things that I do are all successful, but I've had a lot of help, um, and especially the folks who are in elected office uh, or who have served in elected office who have helped. You know, they sit on the panel, they come and they um, provide sort of off the books advice, right? I mean, last time in Norfolk, we had delegate, former delegate and soon to be future delegate, um, Alex Askew, Councilman Danica Royster. At our first session in Richmond, Delegate Bagby, well now Senator Bagby was on the panel, Delegate Bourne, Delegate Price, soon, Senator, uh, soon to be Senator Lashery Saird. I mean, you know, I think that speaks volumes to what this is about. You've got younger people of color, younger women who are investing in people to do what they do. And I think in years past, you would see folks who are hesitant to do that because there is this idea that if I train these people, they're going to come take me out. And I I say, look, if there is a person who comes to me in our moment who then ends up in a primary against me for some office, I say great, because not only are you going to get a spirited primary <laughs> about you know, with people who know what they're doing, but it's like if you played sports, right? You know, I played basketball, I played soccer growing up. If you think you're good, throw the ball out there and let's play, right? Show me. no one is entitled to anything right no one's entitled to one particular you got to go and work for it and you got to let people know why you are the best um, and why you should be elected to that particular position And, and so to have people who believe in that has made this program successful right every presenter who believes in it has made it successful um every person who's who's applied right we have an application process it is not particularly strenuous but we do try to limit the the class size is to about 15 so that it's an intimate experience. But every person who decided to apply, right, we're successful because of them. So it's not just me. And I'm grateful for everybody who's played a part in it. Now, where does it go? You know, we hope that we can continue to do this because the mission doesn't end in 2023. It doesn't end in 2024. Um, again, we fundraise for this so that it can remain free. And I hope that we can continue to raise enough money so that it can become self-sustaining in a way, almost like an endowment. but you know, if we can do two t- two sessions a year, I'll be really excited. And we've done that, you know, thus far. Our, and, and you know, our plan is to do another one in the winter in December. Um, and, you know, we'll figure out where it's going to be. We go to a different location in the state each time because we want to be accessible. We don't just want to do it in Richmond. We don't just want to do it in Norfolk. Um, my hope is that we can do one in Southwest and get um, some rural candidates uh, out there to to step up and to participate. We've had folks who come through from from the south side and southwest before. But I do think that, you know, for us as Democrats, we can't overlook these areas that aren't part of that that sort of urban crescent and and that is going to be helpful for us long term. But also as part of the program, right? The people who aren't from those places get exposure to to those areas. And I think that's also really important because you gotta remember that, you know, yes, I'm from Norfolk, but what happens in uh, Lee County is important to, to those of us in Norfolk and what happens in Arlington is important to the folks in the South side because we are, you know, one Virginia right under the same sky. And you know, yes, we have pride in our regional regional areas, but we're all in this together.
0: Follow Black Virginia News on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Black Virginia News, and on TikTok and Twitter at Black Virginia News. Send comments and tips to Black Virginia News at gmail.com
2: governor glenn yunkin uh needless to say has taken a different direction on rights restoration uh talk about your work on that talk about where everything stands was the naacp able to get anything uh you know they had of course had an ask and i did see uh the president of the virginia naacp on roland martin unfiltered not too long ago but did anything change after that press conference just give us a status update if you can
3: yeah, well, let me first clarify by saying uh, that is me in my legal capacity in my day job. I'm going to talk to you as Jay Jones, the private citizen. Um, okay. Because everything that we have have, um, have have gotten, we put out to the public. But I'll, I'll give you the Jay Jones take on that just for um, disclaimer purposes. But, you know, certainly the change in procedure uh, has been disheartening for a lot of people. And what the NAACP has been looking for is just transparency. In the process, good or bad, right? <laughs> whether whether you like what it is or you don't like what it is, I think you know what the NAACP has been on record as seeking is is transparency from the process, and um, they did not get that as part of the um, the the document request, the FOIA request, and so you know they called very publicly for the governor to us to be very clear uh, and transparent with his criteria about how the new process is being applied, and you know obviously you want to see it applied evenly. Uh, no matter what your your race is, your criminal history is, your voting history is, your geographic location is. And, uh, you know, for so many people, right, myself included, as a, a Black Virginian, I have um, family members who are alive, right, who saw their friends and family members, um, you know, intimidated at the polls, uh, knowing people who died so that people could have the right to the franchise. And so, you know, to see this reversal uh, for a lot of people is incredibly um, tragic, especially when You had made strides under Governor McDonnell, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. uh, And that was, you know, then sort of increased and and bettered by Governor McAuliffe and then Governor Northam. And and to see this dramatic slowdown um, and and this sort of screeching halt uh, certainly is cause for concern. And, you know, I think the NAACP speaking for on behalf of a lot of folks across the state are just looking for answers and they've not gotten a straight answer.
0: Lauren Victoria Burke is a member of Investigative Reporters and Editors, NABJ, and the Ida B. Wells Society. Miss Burke has appeared on CNN and MSNBC and appears regularly on Roland Martin Unfiltered.
4: I just wanted to get uh Uh, Jay's uh, thoughts on, you know, this kind of duplicitous, you you know, rhetoric from the governor in regards to he wants to secure the vote and incentivize, you know, what I would say Republican voters to vote early while simultaneously his election officials throughout the Commonwealth are surgically attacking, you know, Sunday voting, voting locations, You know, you know, making it more difficult for Democratic voters and particularly Black voters from casting their ballot early. So I just was curious what your thoughts on that dynamic um, being pushed by the governor. Well,
3: you know, I wrote an op-ed and it was published in the the RTD back in the spring about voting in Virginia uh, being under attack, and it's coming from all levels of government. And you've got the governor who slowed these restorations to a crawl, who won't be transparent about the process. You've got um, the attorney general's office that sits by and does nothing when you've got registrars who are being intimidated and electoral board members who are being intimidated and threatened in these rural counties and you know why have an election protection unit if uh in an election integrity unit if you're not going to do anything with it uh and then the general assembly right republicans introduce bills over and over and over again to walk back the progress that was made um in 2020 and 2021 and then you've got this new push for early voting and you know part of me wants to say great right like this is what we all want right we all want early voting <laughs> um but then you've got that simultaneous sort of pullback right so it's you know early voting for us but not but not voting for all and that is what is incredibly troublesome but i i think you know you got to hand it to the the governor and, and his administration and, and the general and the republicans i you know, mean they're pretty they're pretty open about what their ultimate goals are right they want to win and, and so do democrats and so you know the by any means necessary approach is, is somewhat admirable. I just think it is um, certainly slightly disingenuous after years of questioning the integrity of our elections, questioning the integrity and the efficacy of voting early, um, because now you see that you know Democrats have harnessed that for so long. Uh, but again, you play within the rules of the game. You do whatever you can do. That's why you got to win elections, right? I hope the Democrats are successful in 2023 and 2024 and 2025 and beyond because we can cement some of these gains that we've made and change our system for the better so that it's not being taken advantage of and manipulated by uh, these these folks who are currently in power.
2: Lastly, Maurice and I talked to Jay Jones about his family. He has one of the most successful and famous families in Virginia. And certainly from the perspective of history uh, being erased, all the attempts to erase Black history uh, that are going on around the country and books coming off the shelves, I think it's important here at Black Virginia News that we go over some of the family histories in Virginia. uh, As somebody who talks often with some of the famous scions of, uh, of the Reed family, the Scott family, and now the Jones family, uh, we just wanted Jay to sort of lay out some of the details of his family history, which is incredible. I love history. I love talking to Bobby Scott about his dad <laughs> and his, and the history of his family. And, you know, every now and then he'll mention that his dad knew your grandfather or something like that. I, I just want you to give a little overview, if you can, of your family, um, your mother, your grandmother. Uh, I think it's one of the most exciting families in Virginia. And I just wanted you to give us a little sketch of that, if you can.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm obviously incredibly proud of my family, and I would not be here if not for their hard work and and their sacrifices to invest in me as a as a as a young man, and even in, into my you know adult adulthood. But you know, my great grandfather Hillary uh, Jones Senior was born was born in Charles City, but he came to Norfolk in the uh, sort of post World War. Um, one era. And my grandfather, uh, Hillary Jones Jr. was born in Norfolk in 1923. So I guess technically that makes me a fourth generation Norfolkian. And my son, Charles, who was born last summer, uh, is now a fifth generation Norfolkian, fifth generation Jones. So that's that's pretty neat. But my grandfather, Hillary, was um, a civil rights attorney who was very passionate about the right to the franchise and about equal treatment. And, um, you know, crazily he's fighting for the stuff that we're still fighting for today and and that was you know almost 70 years ago so he sort of puts into context how much progress we've made ultimately but um he was the first black member of the school board in norfolk he was the first black member of the state board of education um he was a chancery court uh commissioner in norfolk and unfortunately passed away at a very early age 52 um but i like to believe that he might have been the first black judge in norfolk uh, an honor that was bestowed upon joe jordan who was a titan in his own right uh, my father, uh, you know, first black Supreme Court clerk in Virginia, right, Clerk for the Supreme Court of Virginia back in 1980, the prosecutor, member of the House of Delegates, served as director of juvenile justice under Mark Warner, is now a circuit court judge in Norfolk. I don't know the count, but he apparently is one of the only people to have served in all three branches of Virginia state government. So that's a neat little factoid about him. The people who are the coolest in my family, though, are the, are the women, right? The, we always talk about dad and, and my granddad, which is, they're they're awesome, too. But, you know, my grandmother, uh, Corinne, was a political, you know, titan in her own right. Um, she passed away a few years ago, but I think she felt comfortable um, at the age of 92. Uh, and she left it all on the field and she saw her grandson get elected to the House of Delegates. I think that that was pretty special for her. But um, you know, she had the ear of people like Bobby and people like um, Senator Warner and, and others who would make the trek to Anna Street in Norfolk to talk to her. Um, And they're so kind for that and how they treated her over the course of many years. My other grandmother, Margaret, was a professor of English in Hampton, actually the first black graduate from ODU back in in 1970 something, Uh, something that, you know, the school talks about pretty openly and and they're very proud of it, but it's something that, you know, I don't know a lot of people, I don't know if a lot of people know, Uh, you know, she was great and she's wonderful. And my mother is a juvenile judge in Norfolk, after being a prosecutor for a long time. So, I think I've tried to fill their shoes in some way. They're big, big, big shoes, and um, I can only fill a portion of them. But, you know, their example and their perseverance and and their drive to make the communities around them better has always inspired me. And I know how fortunate I am to have a structure like that behind me. And so I just try to do the best I can to not only leave something better for my son and, and whatever world that he inherits, but... To make sure that every child, right, every person in Virginia, every black person, every person of color, who you know is born into a certain place, can have the opportunities that I did, right? Because I do believe that that if there were other people who had the same um, opportunities that I did, they'd be just as successful, they'd be just as involved, they'd be you know committed to getting back, and so you know we're one of a whole bunch of families who have a long line of of, of public service in Virginia, but you know. W- it's something that I hope can become more common. Right? I, I don't want to be. I don't want our family to be special, right? I want this to be the norm. I want black families to to be successful generations over generations over generations. Um, when I ran for AG, the the slogan that we used was you know generations in the making, and while it was great to highlight that, I, my my hope is that we get to a point when that's just what it is, <laughs> right? And you've got um, black families and 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 you know succeeding. And a level that rivals the the other dynasties political dynasties that you might see right that that becomes um the norm but you've got obviously the scots and the reeds and you know look you every 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 person comes from somewhere and so i think there's so many unsung heroes and and um hidden figures who don't who haven't gotten their due but i think you know it's part of our, our mission is to share those stories and to let our younger folks know like you're special and when you do this stuff, but there are so many people who did this in a different context who came before you, right? And you're building upon upon their legacy and, and you're using their shoulder. you stand on their shoulders and you use those as a springboard. So, you know, I love my family. I'm super proud of my family. I love uh, being from Norfolk. It's, it's something that I take a lot of pride in. Um And, you know, Maurice is a beach guy, but we'll always welcome him into the city of Norfolk when he comes in. Um, <laughs> But uh, but yeah, it's it's pretty neat, and it's never lost on me, you know, who came before me, and um, you know, it's probably probably part of the reason why I've spent a lot of time as an adult trying to to, to make the world around me a little bit better.
4: If I could uh, share a quick story, my, my Jay Jones origin story. Uh, <laughs> was, I, I was at the, uh, the Norfolk Democratic Party um, breakfast and when he was running for the General Assembly in 2017, he was in a primary and the challenger that he was facing, uh, you know, a lot of people thought that he had the inside track of winning the primary. You know, and I heard his challenger speak and I heard Jay Jones speak and I was like, sold. Absolutely.
2: Uh, Jay, you're the future of the party and I'm going to hit you with the inevitable inevitable question. <laughs> I mean, I personally was very excited and very uh, thrilled by your first run for AG. Uh, I love the debate. Uh, <laughs> I love the whole thing. Uh, and I just wanted to ask, like, it looks like you might do that again. You have anything to say about that? You have any news you want to break on the Black Virginian podcast?
3: Man, I thought you guys would never ask. <laughs> I've, I've been waiting for this the, the entire time. Yeah. You know, look, I think we, we got to focus on 2023. Um, I have spent a lot of time uh, over the last few years trying to put some candidates out there, trying to um, campaign for the slate that we've got for the General Assembly because Nothing matters in 2024, 2025 until we get through 2023. And then we've got some work ahead of us, right? we got to take the majority back in the House and hold the Senate. Because if we don't, (laughs) the consequences will be dire. And that is not hyperbole. That is not an understatement. Um, They have been very clear about what they want to do if they um, get full control. And I can tell you that that's not a Virginia that I want to be a part of. And so I will spend all of the um, extra time and energy and money that I've got in 2023 to make sure that um, we make Don Scott Speaker of the House, that we have um, a majority in the Senate and that we head into 24 with a lot of momentum so that we can take back Congress uh, and, and put Democrats back in the majority in the um, U.S. House of Representatives and make Bobby Scott chairman of um, the Labor and Education Committee again uh, and deliver you know 13 electoral votes for Joe Biden. And then we can think about 2025. But uh, believe me, when I have something to say about 2025, you will. Um, be one of the first people I talk to. So you have my word on that. So just stay tuned.
2: And that was an interview with Jay Jones, one of the most exciting elected officials in the Commonwealth of Virginia. That was episode 18 of the Black Virginia News podcast. This is Lauren Burke. We will be back really soon. Everybody take care.
0: The podcast for Black Virginia News is a product of Wynn Digital Media and is produced by the team at WDM LLC. Subscribe to Black Virginia News at blackvirginianews.substack.com.